What's up, everyone? This is Cortland from NDHackers.com, and you're listening to the ND Hackers podcast. On this show, I talk to the founders of profitable internet businesses, and I try to get a sense of what it's like to be in their shoes. How do they get to where they are today? How do they make decisions at their companies and in their personal lives? And what exactly makes their businesses tick? And the goal here, as always, is so that the rest of us can learn from their examples and go on to build our own successful businesses. Joining me today in person in my dining room is Shola Akinlade, the CEO of Paystack. Welcome to the show, and thanks so much for agreeing to swing by for this interview, Shola. Yeah, cool, cool. Thanks for having me. <laughs> really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So why don't we start with you explaining what exactly is Paystack? Paystack is a payments company, so we're like Stripe for Africa. We help merchants in Africa accept payments from their customers. Um, we currently have over 17,000 merchants, um, and we help them process over $20 billion every month. Wow. And I take it that your customer base is similar to Stripes. These are people building largely online businesses. Do you have any brick-and-mortar businesses using Paystack? Actually, yes. Um, we have one of the biggest bus ticketing companies um, moved from just selling tickets offline to just selling via their app. So yeah, oh, things cool. like that. Yes. Nice. Oh, God, it's good motors. Yeah. <laughs> so Paystack, Stripe for Nigeria, Stripe for Africa. What's the ultimate vision here? Is this going to be Stripe competitor in the no, entire no, no, world? That, that, that actually, we used that at YC just uh-huh. to get Americans, uh, to get people at YC to understand what we were doing. Right. Uh, but very, very quickly into the business, we realized that this is... This is Africa is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Nigeria specifically is very local. Um, and so just what it takes to build a payments company in Nigeria is different from what uh, most other payment companies um, do. And so, yeah, I think, I think for us, really, what we think is that there's a lot of transactions, there's a lot of um, financial services happening in Nigeria in Africa. And most of these things happen offline, you know, and someone has to facilitate it. And that's what we're trying to do at Paystack is make sure that merchants can accept payments from their customers. You know, I told someone uh, last week, actually, that imagine if your customers, the first time they're paying on your website is the first time they're using a card Mm -hmm. in their life, you know, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, and we've seen that a lot of Paystack. We've seen people get a bank account, get a card on the bank account. And the first time they're using that bank, that card online is on Paystack. So um, building for that takes a lot of, um, I don't know what to say, but it's just, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, you guys are building almost from the ground up, whereas a company like Stripe has this sort of rich existing infrastructure that already existed. And so exactly. we were putting our credit cards on the websites well before Stripe existed. Exactly, exactly. That makes me so curious, what was it like to sort of pay for things online no, no. in Nigeria so we, beforehand. To be clear, we didn't invent online payments in Nigeria. Right. You know, so there's been an online payments um, industry um, and there were companies trying to figure it out. But we just thought that, firstly, it can be easier to get started. Like before Paystack, it probably would take a business about maybe three weeks or four weeks to just start accepting payments. And we thought, why can't there be simple APIs to make this work? Right. Um, you know, so, and then from the customer side also, the experience was very much like cumbersome. Yeah, I think that's also close to us, right? Um, and we said, you know what, this can be very simple. This can be easier. And so just, we thought um, 
you had to rethink the customer experience and just build it in a very simple way. Right. Um, so I would say that the difference here is that for most businesses, so like the business I talked to you about, the God is Good Motors, this is a business that has been, they had bosses, like they've run 700 bosses. They've done this for the last maybe 12, 13 years. Uh, and they have this network, but it's always been offline. You know, how does this company start accepting payments online? How do they get their customers to book for bus tickets in their homes, you know? Um, and so just empowering that, making sure that this can happen is what we try to do. Yeah. And I think, you know, what's interesting is Nigeria is a very populous country. Exactly. I think you guys have, what, like 100... 200 million. 200, 200 million people in Nigeria. So it's two-thirds the size of the United States. People don't know that. Yeah, uh, Sub-Saharan Africa is close to a billion people. Million. Yeah. Uh, 40 countries. Exactly. It's very populous, but it's also very diverse. Exactly. Uh, there's tons of payment methods, tons exactly. of government, exactly. tons of different... Uh, payment infrastructures. Exactly. How do you tackle that problem? How do you start a company <laughs> and say, okay, I'm going to you know, unify all these diverse systems into one? Exactly. So I can dial it back. Uh, I can dial it back very quickly <laughs> so that you probably understand um, why the answer to the question. Mm-hmm. So um, I grew up in Lagos, spent all my life um, in Lagos. I studied computer science. Um, I started building stuff from school, actually, from college. After college, I worked with Heineken, uh, the beer company. Uh, but of course, I just left. I thought, you know, I'm a maker. I should be making stuff, mm-hmm. not, not just chili. So, um, Is that I, common in, in Lagos or Nigeria? Are there a lot of people who are makers and who, who decide they're going to just go on and build their own stuff? Yes, exactly. Well, well, now it's happening. Now it's happening. But what we've seen is that like, because... A few people or people are makers, but they just find themselves in very good jobs and they don't make stuff again, right? You know, so which is very common. It happens and, in the states too. Oh uh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I can't imagine. So, but I and I thought about it. I said, you know, what, like I should be making stuff. I shouldn't be here. I tried to make stuff on the side, but mm-hmm. I, I just thought about it. And I said, you know, if I imagine if I spent like my full day making stuff, it would be amazing. You know, and I don't know why. I, I guess I was high or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, said, you know I need to like just like do this. So I left, um, and my friend and I, Mayawa, then, we lived together. And we thought about it, and we said, you know what, Dropbox is cool. Dropbox is on the cloud. So since 2007, actually. Imagine markets, we don't have the cloud. You know, like, I think we were naive then, though, we were at probably was 21, 22. And we said, what if we build something like Dropbox that runs on-premise, but businesses that don't really have good internet can still just collaborate within the building um, and we did it uh, we did it and we uploaded it to SourceForge SourceForge was big then mm-hmm. uh, and like same day we started getting people downloading it and using it and emailing us you know so I was very excited and we did it for five years um, let's let's pause for a second how did you <laughs> why did you think this would be a good idea were there a lot of businesses in Nigeria yes. that didn't have good internet but that needed something like Dropbox exactly exactly that's what we thought and I, I had a few people ask me to help them something together. I thought about it like if these people are asking for stuff then right. that means there's so many people um, that would need it. Um, and I thought it was easy. I thought just do this, do this, do this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, of course it wasn't very easy. But <laughs> yeah, typical engineer founder. Exactly. This will only take exactly. a day or two, just a weekend project. Yes. And actually we tried to sell it but we were so also like we didn't want to just sell. We wanted to make, like, you know, this is too stressful. Selling software is stressful. I used to read a lot of business of software then mm-hmm. and all this, you know, but eventually just decided 
let's just keep it up and let's see what let's get people let's see what people will do with it. Actually, the day we uploaded it to SourceForge, I think like about four hours later, someone sent me an email. It was in Portuguese. I had to use Google Translate. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've been looking for this. Can I translate it to Portuguese for you? Or like, whoa, we don't know how to. <laughs> so we had to rewrite it and then put like the files in a translation file and then right. sent it a translation file and it did it, you know. And so like just it was a very interesting and exciting journey. And then people started emailing us that, wow, can we pay for this? That my company has a policy not to use free software. Wow. Like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you want to pay for it? Uh, yes, I think we were selling $1,000 licenses. Then. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Had you considered turning this into a real business before then? No, no, we we did. We did, um, of course, because we didn't really push it. We didn't really set it. We didn't know how to. I don't know why. <laughs> we, were, we were probably selling just maybe four or five licenses a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were so many people using it, but just few people wanted to just buy it. And we also didn't want to, um, like, because it's, I see a few so a few companies where it's the same thing, the free version and the paid version. Mm-hmm. And it, no, the the free, the free version is like a very cut down version of the paid version. So we said we didn't think so because we also started like with a very good version being free. So it was hard for us to like define what the paid version will look like. So eventually it was almost the same thing, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and it was just people just choosing, oh, do I want to pay or not? <laughs> yeah. So how did this how did this end up winding down? Because it sounds like you're making sales. No, the it, product was it, it something didn't that was wind needed. down actually. Um, I think it happened. It went on for a long time. We had so many people from. I think it was exciting for me because just interacting with people from everywhere in the world, people from China, people from Australia, and I was in Nigeria, you know, so that was really cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, with the time zones, people inviting me to the countries, come sit with them and talk to them. Um, so that was really exciting. So I did that for a long time. We did it for a long time. And then I, the good thing about it was it, people locally started seeing it. Some people didn't really need it because, of course, Dropbox and the cloud was working well. And so people were asking me to do other stuff for them. Um, at first, I wasn't doing. Um, but after a while, a few banks started reaching out to me and saying, oh, we have this thing we want to do. Um, it's not exactly like what you have, but... I think just like patch things for me. Um, so we started patching things for these um, banks and just shipping very quickly. And also just like, because we had built something before, it was easy to just build something else. Right. You know? uh, and so they thought we were efficient, but actually we were not. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative. <laughs> exactly. So we did that. Uh, I did it for about three or four banks. And so started realizing that, wow, um, there's an opportunity here. Um, when we were doing Picurio, we had to use a company called Avangate for payments, actually. We had to, they sent us a card. We had to use the ATM to remove cash. Like, it was really broken, you know. So we, I knew payments was broken, um, but I didn't think I was going to be the one to figure it out. But just working with the banks, um, and one day, um, I was just playing around with something, and I was able to charge a card from my local house, from my computer. I'm like, Wow, this is it. <laughs> if I can do this, then I can like build, uh, I can figure this out. So I started just talking to the banks, um, talking to customers, talking to people and saying, you know what, there's actually, I'm building a new kind of payments company. Are you interested in uh, the future of payments? Like I was just like, everybody knew payments was broken. And I just, the only thing I said was, 
I'm trying to figure out payments. Are you, would you, are you interested? And a lot of people were interested. I had a wait list and I said, Paystack is coming. So before Paystack, actually, there was no recurring payments. Just think about that. Um, of course, that was the first feature we just put in there. Um, right. So people were excited about it. I had about 300 people on the wait list. And these are people that you talk to in person? Yes, exactly. I spoke to everybody. I didn't know them, to be honest. I just put a wait list. I don't know how people were telling others about it. Actually, what happened was one of the first people I spoke to, um, it was in an accelerator, I think in Nigeria, Gingerbox. And so he told his friends. And then I told him, oh, no, no, like, I don't have enough capacity yet. I just want to work with a few people. So it, mm-hmm. it felt a bit exclusive. And so people started telling people. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I guess I was lucky. Um, so yeah, so a few people knew about it. In fact, I wanted to ship very quickly. Um, and he told me his website wasn't ready because what they do is they do fruit deliveries. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first customer, actually. Um, they do fruit deliveries for businesses. So they go to a business and deliver fruit maybe twice a day. So they, so they have multiple people in the business that they give this um, fruits. And it was difficult for them to do payments. It was difficult for because there was no recurring billing and everything. So I told him, hey, like, use Paystack. Uh, you know, I'll solve your problem. It was like, you know what? I don't have a developer. I need to like make changes on my side. So I'm like, no worries, I'll do it for you. So I built out, <laughs> I built out his uh, his website, and then did the face wow. activation for it. That uh, service, yeah, exactly. So it went live. I did that about three or four people actually. Just kickstart everything. Um, so it went live. People saw it. People started like, oh, I want this. I want this. I had a wait list. And then one of my friends actually, one day I was sleeping actually, and sent an email, copied all the YC partners and said, AYC, Stripe is not in Africa. Well, we have Paystack now. <laughs> um, and then Michael from YC responded and said, hey, uh, Shola, tell me more about Paystack. Like, ha. Wow. <laughs> what am I going to say? It was one line, actually. Um, tell me more about Paystack. And I said, I have to respond. I can't respond with one line. <laughs> so I spent about five hours just trying to like, compose the perfect response. Do you remember what you said? No, but it's so long. I I, I moved my mail servers now, so I I don't even have access. Was it one sentence? No, it was like maybe 10 paragraphs. (laughs) (laughs) But it was was good. I, I thought it was good because I just talked about what we were doing, talked about why it was a big deal, gave them some context about payments in Africa, talked about what I had done before, and then talked about why I thought, I was going to be the one to figure this out. So I think it was a good model. I had people edit it for me. Like now I, I, I can see what it looks like, but just having people edit an email <laughs> was interesting. You know, I just said to a few people, hey, help me edit this email. Uh, so it was, a, I think it went well. Uh, Michael responded with another line and said, he just asked another question. So we had back and forth. They asked us to apply for YC. Um, so I'm curious, uh, at the time, what made you the person who was going to figure out payments. Was it your experience working with the banks? Was yes. it your experience uh, growing up in Lagos? Was it running Procurio? I think it was everything. I think, firstly, I had I built software before. I built world-class software before. So I had had a good sense of what needed to be done. Um, so I'd spent about five years just talking to customers, people using my software, people I haven't met before. You know, So I think... I got very comfortable just understanding people's requirements. So I think on that side, that was good. Um, on the other hand, also, I just wanted to do it. So I think for most people building software, like I guess there's always like the, 
I don't want to say vested interest, but like my, I, I didn't care. I really just wanted to fix it. I, I, I didn't want to make money. I, I don't, <laughs> so I didn't think about any of those things. I was like, you know, this is a problem. And like, I don't care about anything else. I just want to fix it. So I think that was helpful because the way payments had been, it was really focused on enterprises, you know, mm-hmm. because the enterprise companies are the ones that can pay for it. And enterprise companies like complexity somehow, you know. So, so I guess everyone had built for that complexity and it was just affected everything. So I, I didn't really have that burden. I just wanted to, this is what it should look like. Um, and so you're kind of all about serving the little guy, the companies that are maybe like you, companies like your friends, companies that you're dealing with with Curio. I knew that it was going to be big, but I didn't want to start. Like, I, I just wanted to serve a few people that spoke to me. Um, I got a lot of people pressurizing me, actually. In the so when we got into YC, which I'll jump into very quickly, uh, when we got into YC and we knew about how YC has demoed it three months' time, like a lot of people were telling me, oh, you know what, you have to go for some big accounts now so that you can make it for demo day. I'm like, not really. Like, I have people trying to use this thing. Like, I just need to grow it every day, um, which was also very helpful. So again, just can we serve the people that come to us? Um, can we understand why they want this and can we fix it for them? So that's how we started. And I think that was really helpful for us. So I want to talk a little bit more about these these pre-YC days before you came to the States. And part of what I want to do is get an idea of what life was like as a startup founder in Nigeria at the time. Uh, you were selling Procurio to all sorts of different other startups across the world, but also in Nigeria. Who were these companies? How you know common is it for someone to go off on their own and start a tech company in Nigeria? And also, what was the funding environment like there? And how are people actually financing their businesses, including you? <laughs> exactly. So I think uh, that's just, you have so many questions. <laughs> but, uh, um, so I think the interesting thing is like Lagos, Nigeria is almost like San Francisco, almost. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like we had access to, I had internet, had a laptop. I think I had a Mac actually, um, which is interesting. Um, I had a laptop that was connected to the internet and really, and I had been reading stuff. So I'd been reading, like I said, I'd been reading business of software. Um, I'd been reading everything PG program I'd written. I'd read it, you know, <laughs> I've read it. So like I felt and, and there's so many people like me just, and that's the power of the internet. Like the internet is the same everywhere. We have the same internet in New York, Lagos, everywhere. So we were really exposed to the internet. We were exposed to what was happening. Where would you go to meet other founders? Were there like hubs where you guys yeah, would work together? The way the, 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 there was somewhere called CC Hub then. Um, and now there's so many hubs now. But yeah, so the first part of it was in the early days, just having exposure to the internet. How did people fund their startups? Um, also, just because there are not so many, um, there's not a lot of makers, um, there were multiple opportunities to make money as a maker. So you could just do some consulting projects for someone else. Like It's like a third-party chain. So what would happen is someone that was connected would get a big deal, maybe from a bank or from a government or something. And then that person will be looking around for, oh, who can do this for me? Right. <laughs> you know? And most likely, if you have a good reputation for being the fixer, <laughs> you'll get people like that. So you will make a lot of money 
because of course like the person that got the deal um, has money to spend <laughs> and the person like is taking a huge markup so i had access to people just reaching out to me every time and say oh can you help me build this for cheap well yes let's do it <laughs> what were some of the uh the bigger challenges to starting a business in lagos yes yes so i i think really there was some infrastructure stuff happening so electricity is not 24 hours a day um so you probably need to have like a generator oh wow oh yeah do you know what a generator is yeah <laughs> so you guys had a generator you running have, korea you need to pipe with um they call it gas air petrol um so yes yeah these are, these are costs <laughs> so every that... day you have to even more than the cost to be honest the stress of having to like the way you get gas for your car you have to pour uh petrol in the generator Every day, because of course, you can't even once you're running for maybe three or four hours, you have to pull more. It's gonna finish, and then you, have, you know. So I think that was the most stressful part for me, just having to get, uh, having just to have twenty four hours power. And sometimes also because it's very noisy, you don't want to turn it on at night. So you might like be really fired up. I had this happen to me so many times. Like I would say, you know what, I'm tired. I want to sleep from four p.m. to ten p.m. so I can work from eleven to all through the night, you know, so and then you'll sleep and then you'll wake up at 10 p.m. but there's no power to... Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what do I do? <laughs> I can't sleep back, you know, so maybe you have to read or something. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that was really common. I think it's getting better now, I'll say. Um, but yeah, so that was that was a very big problem. So it must have been like a, a tremendous difference once you guys actually flew to the United States yes. to interview for Y yes, Combinator, yes, yes, yes. get funding was, from American it was, investors. It was, it was, it was fine. Uh, I remember Ezra saying that um, I think he, he, was, he had a connection on Terminal and, and the connection didn't time out for maybe 24 hours. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, that, so of course, the next problem was just the speed of the internet. So mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, now it's very fast for 10 years ago. It wasn't very fast. So you had to just, you had to do what you had to do. Uh, you had to open like multiple browser windows, maybe about 20, and then go back while you're doing one, the others are loaded. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you had to be very patient. So that was, that, that was, that was definitely that. Too. It's interesting with things being so different. And Nigeria at the time, it presented a whole bunch of different business opportunities. Exactly. Like you said, with uh, your Dropbox exactly. competitor, it's like, okay, well, you had to build this for companies that didn't have fast internet and other people in other parts of the world would never even consider that because exactly. it wasn't a problem there. Exactly. That, that's very correct. That's very correct. Yeah. So, yeah, so there were multiple problems like that. But I, I think... The and that's the power of the startup community. Um, I think there was still a lot of community stuff happening. I think there was Barcamp Nigeria, there was Garage Forty Eight, you know. So all these events, actually, all these events in um, in the US, some of them um, were happening in Nigeria. So there were meetups happening um, and all that. So yeah. So I want to talk about some of the logistics to starting a payment company in sort of this first year. Was it a year before you ended up going to Y Combinator? Yes. Yeah. How long did it take you to get to the point where you could actually provide a working product to somebody on your your waiting list? Wow. What went into that process? <laughs> I don't know if we have a working product now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say it was. Uh, so at first, like I said, I could charge a card before I started a company, so I had to define what I really wanted. Um, but I got a lot of people. Thank God, I had good um, advisors. 
Um, one of my friends, oh, was also very helpful. I had so many people push him and saying, yo, you got to do this. <laughs> you have to shoot now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then there was this startup vitamins, I think, all this, uh, you buy. So I had, I knew that I had to ship as soon as possible. So I actually shipped a very crappy version as soon as I could. So as soon as I got um, Gingerbox, which was probably, so we launched, I think the first transaction happened in August. And I started working on it in January. Okay. So maybe about eight months to <laughs> from when the first live transaction happened. And what could actually occur at that point in time? Like, what could your first customer do? No, if customers could go to his website and, and pay for it, and yeah, cool. But I couldn't even pay him his money <laughs> because <laughs> I hadn't figured out that part. Uh, but that's that was why I knew there was something there because I had there was a company uh, I think it's called Jekalo. They were building like a ride sharing app. Mm-hmm. And he told me that, hey, guy, I need to use Paystack now. I said, no, like, I'm not ready for you yet. He said, no, like, I need it because I have a site, I have an app, I can charge my customers. So my customers are using my ride-sharing app for free. So is there a world where just put in Paystack, you don't have to give me the money. You know people want what you're building. If they're willing to have you keep their money, exactly. the customers are paying you, Exactly. So they that still happened. need it. That happened. And we kept his money for a long time, actually. So yeah, so we were not settling. In fact, the first, the first, um, the way we were paying the first people all their money, it was someone was just doing the maths at the back. Like I would, I would send an email to somebody so when a transaction is success, successful, I will trigger an email that goes to somebody else to figure out the settlement. And then she will just like, okay, these are, this is all, these are all successful transactions to this. Let's pay them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was at the back very crappy, but um, really just wanted to move from, I wanted to solve the problem. I wanted people to accept payments. Uh, and I think we did that. And then started getting more elegant um, at the solution because more problems. And the thing about payments is like if it works for one transaction at 1.7 million transactions, your problems are different. There's going to be right. disputes, there's chargebacks, there's fraud. <laughs> so it's new things to figure out. Yeah, so it's been very interesting. How much of the work to get to the point where you could accept this company's customers' payments was a result of you just writing code? How much of it was negotiating with banks and partners? What was the work like to, during those first so eight was, months? It was, um, because it was payment, there was some compliance part to it. So I needed to figure out PCI DSS, and needed to figure out like the right servers, the right infrastructure. So I would say it was one-third infrastructure, um, one-third code, because again, because it's payments, you have to support everything, support everybody. You know, if, uh, so I had to like be able to JavaScript um, and figure out how to make it work. Um, so it was one third that, and then one third just talking to people. Um, I, it wasn't really hard because talking to the banks, because I didn't talk to all the banks. Just had one bank that didn't know I was um, very serious about this. So, so that, that, that was fast. So it was a lot of talking to people, understanding what they wanted. Most of the people that talked to me also were not ready with their, were not ready with, their, with, their, with whatever they were building to. So just getting them to do it very quickly was also part of it. Yeah. What was your team like at the time? Was it just you? <laughs> it was just me. It was just me. Uh, my co-founder, Ezra, so I reached out to him to help me like, build a Node plugin. 
um, because I realized that people wanted plugins. Um, or oh, I thought I could just have people build plugins to make it work. Now we have so many plugins, which is exciting. While I was back and forth with Michael, going back and forth with Michael, it was like, is there anybody that can really join you to figure this out? Right. I was like, yeah, Ezra, because Ezra and I actually went to school together. Um, he was a very good engineer. There's this stuff we do. We do awards in, my, in our college program of the year. Ezra won that for four years. So, <laughs> so it was really good. Uh, and then he had tried to do payments before, too. So I just reached out to him. Oh, ah, seems like the perfect co founder, really. Exactly, exactly. And he was also excited because, yeah, payments. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I think we'd, I'd made, we'd made some progress. So, um, it was more than an idea. So, so did the two of you fly out to San Francisco yeah, yeah, for your Y Combinator interview together? Actually, was a very funny story happened because it was a long flight. We did seven hours to, from Lagos to Amsterdam. Um, and then we had maybe like a three-hour wait. And then we flew from Amsterdam to San Francisco 11 hours. So during the three-hour um, layover, I think we shipped something. I pushed the code or something. And then while Break. flying, we realized that, <laughs> wow, there was a bug there. <laughs> of course. So that was 11 hours of bug. But thankfully, it was just one or two transactions that happened in that period. So yeah, but, uh, but yeah, we flew to San Francisco. Um, and then we got into YC. Um, what was that process like of going through the Y Combinator interview? Yeah, yeah. That getting was, in? It was really exciting. Um, at first, it was intimidating. So uh, where we got in... We wanted to get in a day before. Um, I was reading a lot about YC interviews and people were like, you know, if you're from, if you're not from America, you're going to have a problem with your accent and they might not understand what you're saying. I hope you guys understand what I'm saying. I understand you just fine. <laughs> okay. Uh, like that you might have like, your accent might not be good and all that. So, so we said, you know, let's go in. We had an interview, I think on Tuesday and we got in on Monday. So we said, you know, let's go in on Monday and just like talk to people and see if like they can understand our accent, <laughs> which is good actually. <laughs> so we got in. Of course, there was no problem. We got in. Um, I'm sort of seeing different kinds of founders. So we saw someone building a shirt that never gets dirty. We saw someone building um, a team that were building a bra that detects breast cancer. We wow. saw someone building self-driving cars, self-driving shuttles. Uh, for colleges, I was like, "Oh shit!" They asked us, "Hey guys, what are you building?" <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we're building payments to Africa. Something Stripe built ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like we we said that because we were really like we didn't think what we were doing was interesting compared to every other person. But everybody that listened to us said, "Wow, you guys are doing something amazing!" Because obviously, there's so many people in Africa. Obviously, payments is broken in Africa. So obviously, whoever is figuring this out has a very strong chance of being successful. So I think that was really exciting to hear. Um, we got people emailing us that night saying, wow, it was good meeting you guys. Yeah. Um, we want to stay in touch because we know you guys are going to be... <laughs> right. You guys are going to be big in future. We're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a huge opportunity and I think that's what investors want, right? The YC partners want to hear that you can build a billion-dollar unicorn. What was it like going into the meeting with the actual YC partners and having them challenge you on your idea and having to defend exactly. what you're doing? That, that, was, that, that was also very funny because on that flight, I, I wrote out like my notes 
and I had to cram my talking points. Just had everything in my head. This is face like face like. That's why I got it, and I tried to just repeat what I crammed. Mm-hmm. Um, but immediately I started. I said, "Oh, paste. Oh, what are you guys building?" I said, "Oh, we're building Paystack. It's a, uh, it's a payments company in Africa." We've made a huge leap over what currently exists. We've moved from two steps. It's, it used to, the experience used to be about seven steps, but we've moved it down to two steps. Like, sure. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to like, go get our laptops, um, open it up, and then we showed them the old experience. Mm-hmm. And then we showed them the paystack experience. And like, not bad. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and so just um, a lot of questions. But it, it went very fast. And I didn't remember all the things I wrote down again. So <laughs> I just started. It was it was very funny. And I was like, oh, wow, we've messed up. Let's just go back home. Uh, but thankfully, we got into the program. We were the first Nigerian comments to get in. Um, now there's over, I think there are over 12 Nigerian comments in just two years. Wow. I've gotten inside. So, yeah, it's exciting. You guys sort of broke up in that barrier. Yeah, I think it, it was a mental barrier, to be honest. Um, I didn't think YC would fund a Nigerian company, or oh, we didn't think we were the ones, like we didn't think what we were building was interesting enough. No. How important is it, in your opinion, to have sort of the blessing of Silicon Valley investors, to have funding from Y Combinator? Do you think you could have built Y uh, Paystack into what it is today without coming to Silicon Valley? So two answers. I think we were very sure, even during YC. We, we didn't think we were going to get into YC. So we knew... So the Paystack was on a very good trajectory before YC. And I think it must it should have continued. So I think that was that. But getting into YC was helpful. I think just getting that money was good. We could get in someone else to join us very quickly. Getting the advice was really cool because I'd just been reading online, you know, I hadn't had access to people that had built stuff before. So that was really helpful. And just the mindset change and all that was very helpful. So, yes, getting into YC changed the trajectory. So I guess we were going very slowly before and mm-hmm. uh, just getting into YC just changed it. I want to hear more about that because a lot of people <laughs> listening are building companies and they might feel like things are going slowly. What do you do to change your trajectory, trajectory for the better and to move faster? Yeah, exactly. So I think what I've heard and what I've seen, even what happened to me was, a lot of founders struggle with the next step. Um, extremely difficult because you want to build a payments company. How many things are you going to do? <laughs> you know, so it was hard to think about it in weeks. But getting into YC, we had to think in weeks because we had to go for Tuesday dinner. We had to do office hours weekly. And so just having to think about my company and execution on a weekly basis was really, really uh, mind-blowing for me. And it helped me focus, you know. So I just put the numbers on Excel. Um, and what YC says, just talk to your customers and build your product, you know. So it was really, what do I want to achieve next week? And how do I do it? So that, that, that was very clear. It was obvious that when other things that looked important happened, like it was obvious this was a distraction, you know. So, uh, yeah, so I think fun is uh, just for me, having like a very clear sense of this is what we're doing next week, this is what we're doing next week, this is what we're doing. So the early days I was thinking in weeks. Now I'm trying to think in quarters, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is still the funnest I can think. 
but yeah, in the early days, I was really just thinking in weeks, and and it was helpful. <laughs> it's funny because it reminds me of the early days of indie hackers, and I was also doing this week long thing where I would send a weekly newsletter to all the indie hackers readers. And every week I needed to have something to report to them that I had done. Otherwise, it would be embarrassing in this newsletter. So I agree. Thinking in weeks and having sort of this weekly milestone you have to hit is pretty powerful in terms of moving fast. Yeah. No, progress and momentum is very important because there's so many smart people. I don't think we're the smartest people, um, even from Lagos. So there's so many smart people. But the difficult thing to do is to just make progress every week, every day. Because one incremental progress is just amazing. powerful. <laughs> exactly. You look back and it's really added up to something exactly, huge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, what were you worried about in in those early days? You had... worried about everything. <laughs> we were worried about everything. We were worried about um, fraud. We were worried about competition. We were worried about. We were just worried about everything. To be honest, but very quickly. We started getting very good feedback from our customers. Um, so just talking to our customers and they were telling us that this is really nice. This is what I have been looking for. So that was helpful and that helped us figure stuff out. We were worried that so when we started, when we got the 120K from YC, we said, you know what, this is it. This is all the money we're ever going to raise. So let's just keep the money. <laughs> let's make it last. <laughs> Build the business. You know, so like we were just worried about everything. But I think at the end, um, it's, it's turned out well. So, Which, if any of those worries, ended up taking the most of your time and was the hardest to overcome? It was trying to convince. This is very anti-sales, but I was worried about people. Like, will people use this? You know, will I be able to sell this to X? Like, will this big company switch to Paystack? Which, in retrospect, was unnecessary. And, and so... Um, yeah, so in the early days, I, th- I thought that was unnecessary. I was spending a lot of time just trying to think about the big companies and if what would it take for them to right. switch to Paystack. But in reality, I just needed to make progress. I just needed the smaller companies to use it first and then the big companies. In fact, the small the people that work in the small companies are actually friends with uh, the people in the big companies. You know, so it right. was, and, and then, so seven months in, we will be talking to someone from a very big company and they'll say, oh yeah, like my friend told me about Paystack. Uh, my brother told me about Paystack. Like, so I, the sales conversations were really easy, but I, I didn't, I, I think I unnecessarily thought it was going to be difficult. Yeah. And then, of course, sometimes the small companies turn into big companies. Exactly. <laughs> which is pretty that. cool. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So one of the things that people at Y Combinator talk a lot about, and people in the startup community as a whole talk a lot about, is product market fit. Do you actually have a product that you know matches the needs of your market? Uh, and there's sort of a before and after, where like before product market fit, all you should care about is actually building something that customers want. But afterwards, you need to worry about scaling and then also continuing to build up your product. Had you guys reached product market fit when you were in the YC? No, I think we just reached product market fit like a few months ago, actually. What is a milestone there for you? <laughs> I think it's at the point where you know everything is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I had this conversation at YC, um, but I knew that the customers we want, which is tied to what I was saying, the customers we want don't really want us. It's the customers, well, exactly. So, so I knew that even though we had customers, the product market fit for us will be to the people we're looking for actually want us. Mm-hmm. The, the real the customers, you know. So 
people were still looking for more. People were, you know, they, they expected more from us. So I don't think we had that. We had to define what moment. We had to define, okay, this is what you should get from a payments company. Um, but earlier in the year, I think after making a lot of progress on the products and all that, I was getting to a point where, oh, do you have this? Yes, we do. Can we do this? Yes, we do. Um, we have this problem. Yes, you know. So, um, yeah, so I think that was a very huge shift. So the way I think about product market fit, I think is is really, are we getting the right customers, um, the customers we want? How is it easy for them to um, understand our offerings? Can we satisfy them, you know, and all that? And now it's looking like that. So how big were you guys? If you can remember back at the end of Y Combinator, you started with just you and Ezra. Yeah. Did you have any employees? We came to YC, actually. So okay. it was Ezra and I, but immediately we got into YC. We reached out to our friend, Okbe, who's a very good designer, and thankfully came and joined us. So we stayed in a two-bed, but three of us stayed in a two-bed. <laughs> <laughs> Who shared the beds. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so that was good. So we did that. Um, and then by the end of YC, we had two people in Nigeria because the time zones were really bad. Um, we needed someone to help with admin stuff and customer service. And then we needed someone to help with developer support. So we did that for, so at the end of YC, we were five people. Yes. Um, and then by the end of the year, we became about 10 people. Okay. And then by this time last year, we were about 15 people. And then now we're about 36 people. Were you funding all these hires with the money that you got from Y Combinator? Or were you generating enough revenue to sort of help hire all these people? In the early days, in the early days, um, it was just with the with the revenue. Uh, because payments, you have to like ramp up. Right. Um, yes. We're making so little money. <laughs> it was the first month uh, we launched, we, we processed $2,500. Uh, we made about $20. <laughs> <laughs> Which is really sad now that I think about it. Uh, yeah, but last month we did about thirty six million. Oh, twenty about twenty six million dollars. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's just about just over two years. That's crazy. Yeah. Exactly. Do you ever look back like and then think, wow, I can't believe how far we've come. This is no. To be honest, I think we we knew that it would just grow every month, grow every week, um, and you say. But yes, I look back and say, you know, I didn't think. It was. I looked at the deck I prepared, and I was just laughing because I didn't think uh, even the numbers were so small. I don't know why I put it on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I, I didn't think so. But I think one of the things that also helped us was just acting our age, not trying to be unnecessarily like um, I don't know the word to use for that. But we we knew we were small we knew we were early we knew the problem was big we knew we hadn't figured it out so just having all that context helped us just do the right things um we didn't try to be big we didn't try to convince people we were bigger than we were you know so so it it was very simple whenever i see a company solving a problem that's i guess as obvious as yours was everyone you talked to said yeah you're right payments are broken in africa and nigeria we need to fix this i always wonder uh why hasn't someone done this before you? Why wasn't there a Paystack in Nigeria before Paystack? Exactly. That's that's actually a very interesting question. Two things I've told, two things I think might have contributed to the answer. So the first is, I would say, courage. Um, so I think just the courage to say, you know what, I want to figure out this problem. Um, in Nigeria, 
this is thing about how business people should be the ones solving problems. Sorry. Um, this is thing about business people should be the ones solving problems, and then developers should just be getting paid for right. solving the problems. Just do what they're told by the business exactly. people. Exactly. And, and that was that was that was big. So, but I didn't. So maybe I was lucky and just haven't been a developer that I solved business problems. I thought, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> I think I can figure this out. So, um, so I think that just that courage to say, I probably can figure this out um, was there. And the next thing was focus. So, anything about payments in Africa is that there's a lot of side opportunities to make money. There's a lot of ways to capture value without doing the right thing. Give me, give <laughs> because, me some examples. What I mean is because the transactions are happening because because there's a lot of volumes happening. You can just go to one company um, and build something very custom for them and make a lot of money doing that. Right. As against just, can I just build a very simple API that I might not even be able to charge for. And even in doing that, so when we started Paystack, there was so many new ideas of things we could be doing. Oh, do you want to do something like Venmo? Do you want to do something like this? Do you want to do something like that? And, you know, so the multiple opportunities um, and like the focus to just stay on the path, especially when you're solving a difficult problem, um, is very important. Because otherwise, you will think the problem is difficult. You will jump onto an easier problem. You might solve the easier problem, but the difficult problem will still, right. <laughs> will still be there, you know, which will now be the opportunity for someone else to mm-hmm. just come figure it out. So um, I think the courage to just say, you know what, we've chosen this difficult problem, we will try to fix it uh, before we move on to whatever other problem uh, we want to fix. It was helpful. Why did you avoid all those distractions? How was it that you were able to focus? Because I understand that you being a developer who had started a business before gave you a lot of courage and confidence to actually tackle a big problem. But what stopped you from seeing all these lucrative opportunities that weren't quite the same as that big problem and saying no to those? I would say it was my support system. <laughs> so I had friends. I told people that I wanted to figure out payments. So, and so there are so many people looking up to me to say, you know what, you have to be the one to figure this out. So I think that was helpful. I honestly think I could have lost focus too. In fact, the two problems I was solving at the same time, I was trying to build something called Expandly, um, mm-hmm. which is like Rex now, which is an expense management system. Again, that that would have been easier because I could just get a business, pay me, and I can help them do their expense management and all that. It was still closely tied to payments, but it was I felt easier, you know. Um, but very quickly. A lot of my friends um, and people in my support system said, you know what, just do this parents thing. This parents thing is big and just do it and that's the real work. So I think I was lucky I had good advisors, people that just said, just do it. <laughs> yeah. So one of the interesting things I think about building a company that in a way comes behind a lot of your competitors in other countries is that you don't necessarily have a playbook, but you have at least some examples you can look toward and say someone else has done something similar before, uh, Stripe or PayPal or Braintree or some other payments company. Did you look up to these companies at oh, the yes, time? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, I did. I, I was telling someone I read every blog post on Stripe's blog. <laughs> I read this blog post maybe two hours after they published it. <laughs> because wow. like, Yeah, I read that documentation completely. 
I did that for a lot of payment companies everywhere. So there's a company in Australia, Pin Payments. There's like everywhere, just any payments company I can find. I'll read all their blog posts. I'll read all their documentation. The public companies like WorldPay, I would read their annual reports, you know, just what, what, what can I get? What can I learn? You know, so, um, so I think that was helpful for me. Um, and then just having that passive knowledge, which I think is so very helpful for me as I solve Paystack problem is I have so much passive knowledge about how things have been done and not necessarily need to copy them, but it helps me like think about how to solve some of these problems uh, in our own way. What have been some of the, the most difficult things to learn where perhaps there is no playbook in front of you and how do you deal with that situation where you're blazing a new trail? Yeah, it's it's to be honest, you have to make mistakes. <laughs> uh, and we made we made, we make mistakes every day. We make a lot of mistakes. We we've seen how my favorite mistake to make is our checkout form. We just almost copied Stripe checkout. <laughs> I don't think so. My offer will be upset to hear this, but but I think we tried, we we did very well. Uh, but it was very similar to what Stripe checkout looked like. Very quickly, we started saying that users were struggling to use it. They would put today's date instead of the expiry date of the card. Yeah, because you just put DDMM. Like, right. <laughs> what, what is that? You know, uh, they would worry about what the CVV was and all that. So very quickly, we said, you know what? We have to like rethink of this checkout form, you know, and very quickly... Um, optimize that checkout form for the users we were building for, and that was helpful. Is this because like users in Africa weren't used to paying via sort of the standard, I guess, US or European checkout form? No, it, was, it was because we started with early adopters. So when we started with early adopters, we, it worked well. But our business started moving deeper. We started having customers whose customers were not early adopters. So one of our customers, Bipower, um, the YC company too, they said electricity. Um, in Abuja and Kaduna. So their customers are not the average customers um, that, uses, that would use a laptop or something. So that was taking us into deeper grounds. Right. Uh, and we had new other customers too. So it was, it, was, it was because our customers were bringing some of their customers that didn't have the same exposure as we had or as the early customers had. Um, so that was just a big problem for us trying to figure that out. This was, was a problem. Um, yes. I think the other mistake, I won't say it was a mistake. Um, the other things we struggled with was uh, how do we think about distribution of Paystack? So I spent a lot of time in the early days just focused on the product. Remember my first conference that was all I did. Uh, but very quickly started saying, you know what, this, there has to be some distribution play to this. Um, thankfully, Manuel um, joined very quickly. Um, He's your head of growth. Him. Yes, I had to convince Manuel to join us. Where did you come from? Uh, it was at Mest, um, which is an incubator in Ghana. And he had done product work with them there, and it was general manager. So um, um, very quickly, I thought about, you know what, it will be hard for us to, we have to think about distribution from ground up at Paystack. Like, we can't just look at other people and say, this is how these guys are doing distribution you know so um yeah so that was helpful just thinking about it from first principles um how do we get more people to know about paystack how do we get people 
help we make Paystack become the best payments company in Africa. Um, and I think we made a lot of progress with that. We started building a community around our merchants. It started, it meant something to people to be a Paystack merchant. We tackled it from customer success. You know, if a customer had a problem with our service, we had to do everything to make sure that the customer, like, <laughs> that it will never happen again. You right. know? So just, just paying attention to some of the things. And, 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 and that was really good for us because I think we would have made a huge mistake to think about distribution from another way, you know, to say, you know what, the way to distribute Paystack is to just buy ads. Right. Oh, it's to do, you know, it's to do this or do that. Because that's yeah. not making your company better. Exactly, exactly. So I, I'm, I'm very excited Like we didn't make that. Um, Did you make so. any distribution mistakes? Is there anything that you tried that didn't work or that you regret going into? Not really, to be honest, uh, which is bad. I think we should be making more mistakes. <laughs> uh, not really, not really. I think, uh, I think we, we've been, I think the way we've done stuff so far is we start small. Mm-hmm. Um, and very quickly scale it. So I don't think we've, I can't remember any of this. What about the flip side of the things that you mentioned earlier? What was, what kind of gave you the most bang for your buck? What was the most successful in getting the word out about Paystack and getting more customers in the door? Yeah. So I think it was a lot around telling our stories. Um, I think we started writing more, we started, it became very transparent. We talked about our numbers when we crossed our milestones. We told everybody. Um, we, at the end of the year, we wrote the year in review. And so people felt like they were part of this and people wanted to be part of it. And as we continued to grow, uh, we started sharing with more people saying, okay, this is where we are now. And just that mindset started making people say, oh, wow, these guys are figuring out payments. And, and that also helped people know that we haven't figured it out completely because if you're not ashamed to talk about some of your problems, you know, um, yeah. So I think just been writing more, um, writing more transparently um, and just trying to connect with your customers was really something that has worked for us. Um, yeah. And I'm excited because I don't have to put a lot of money on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, here you are right now doing it for free on the Indie Hackers <laughs> podcast, sharing a story, sharing numbers. Yeah, and, and, and I would say that um, that is one of the problems. A lot of, um, that's one of the problems we've seen, especially for us in Africa, is so many people don't tell their stories. Um, when I started Paystack, I felt like I knew Max Zuckerberg. I knew all these guys more than some of the founders um, closer to me. Because a lot of founders, a lot of companies don't tell their stories. Either because they're focused on their company or they don't have opportunities to tell their stories. Um, so it was very difficult for me because the people I can connect with are obviously not on my level, not doing what I'm doing. So there was that disconnect. Um, yeah, so I'm just excited that now the opportunities to just listen to people that are just doing what you're doing and have done what you did two years ago, which is really, really helpful. So yeah, I... This is amazing. <laughs> so on a personal level, yeah. what's it been like to go through this journey of growing from a one-person company to a 30-plus people company to go from you know making $20 your first month to making millions of dollars a month? Uh, how has your life changed as a founder? Yeah. Wow. You know, I haven't had time to think about it. <laughs> That's an answer right there. You're busy. Exactly. I think like my, the day we... The day we 
which is this is very sad. Well, the day we got into IC, I had a call with my parents. I'm like, hey, we just got into IC, blah, blah, blah. And we spoke for a very long time, you know. And now I think, I look back and say, you know what? That was one of the longest calls I've had. Because now there's just so much happening at the same time. And it's so difficult. So I think the very first bad part that has changed is I'm not able to like assign long blocks of time to anything again. Like if it's more than one hour, it's too much. <laughs> it's I got you sad. for an hour and 15 minutes here. This is really sad, you know. So, uh, so that's, that's sad. Um, and I hope like I can find some of the best people to help me figure this out. So just talking about how um, it was helpful for us to find someone to help us figure out marketing. It was helpful for me to get Ezra to join um, and figure out technology. Um, I think just can we find some of the best people in the world to help us figure some of these things out so I can have more time <laughs> to call my parents. Uh, so yeah, so there's that. And I think another thing is just, I guess now my brain works every time, <laughs> which is sad also. Uh, yeah, but, but, but the good part, the good part is that I think my dreams are coming true. Um, for the first time, you know, I told my friend that for the first time, it looks like I've achieved all my goals. Like, I've, wow. It looks like I've lived my dreams. I didn't really have huge dreams, to be honest. <laughs> but just looking back and saying, everything I wanted to do, looks like I've made a lot of progress doing it. And that, for me, is when you get to a place where you can't give any excuse, um, you have the team, you have the money, you have you have access, you have the brand, you have the customers, you have everything to make this work. So that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it was easier two years ago, five years ago. I could just give an excuse. There's no lights. Uh, I don't have gas. When I wake <laughs> up to work, like I don't do Now I have to figure it out. I have you to do, do it. it. <laughs> exactly. So it's really, really like, it's good and bad. It's good because I can't like, it's good, but it's bad because I have to keep going. I have to just build and yeah. But I'm excited. I think this is payments is extremely exciting. It's um, having um, so I used to be worried at my first company every time I read startup books and they say, "Oh, the way to know if you're building something cool is if you take it off for a week or a day, will your people notice?" You know. So I'm like, okay, I, I didn't have the answer to that then. But now a face tag, a face tag goes up for one minute, you know, like it's going to be, you know, so just knowing that um, people are relying on us, knowing that we're powering the generation oh, but, and just knowing that there's so many businesses that will be built on our platform. It's just exciting um, for me. Super exciting stuff. Yeah. Well, listen, I've kept you for a long time. I've got one more, <laughs> one more question to yeah. ask, and you can get back to your one-hour blocks of founder time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people listening to this hopefully will be entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs living in Nigeria, living somewhere in Africa. Uh, you've talked about how important it was to share your story as an entrepreneur, but what other advice would you have for somebody building a company from Africa? Yeah. Um, wow. A lot. So I would say um, the first thing is just like stay focused. I think it's, there's so many things that can go wrong. 
But there are also so many things that can go right if you stay focused. So just have a clear sense of what problem you want to solve and just make incremental progress. Just fix it little by little. Don't try to figure it out. Like we haven't figured out payments two years in with everything. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know, so just stay focused. Understand that Michael from YC told me that it takes about seven years to build a successful company. You know, so just know that it's going to take a long time. If it takes smart people, <laughs> people uh, have always experienced several years. I've probably expected to spend maybe 10 or 15 years. You know, so um, just stay focused um, and just have the courage to just go at it one after the other. I think that's important. Number two, is, which has helped me so well, is can you find people better than you? to join you uh, in the journey, either as co-founders or if you're lucky, um, to just pay them to join your team. Because I think founders, you have to be the baseline. That's what I told people. have to be the worst person in Facebook. <laughs> Please help me be the worst person. Um, so just finding, and, and it's helped us. I, I see what my team is doing and I'm amazed because I'm like, imagine if I had to do this myself. <laughs> this is what I'm being bad. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I'm just excited that I was lucky uh, that some of the best people in the world decided to join me on this journey. So I know you don't, you don't start that way, uh, but I think as soon as you can, just have this huge barrier or huge, um, huge, wave or huge antenna, just be able to find impressive people, um, connect with impressive people um, and just see how they can help you figure some of these things out. Yeah. All right, Shola. Well, thank you so much for yeah. coming on the show, sharing your story, talking <laughs> yeah, about thanks. Paystack. Yes, thanks. It's been so awesome much. having you. Yes. Uh, if there's anyone listening and you're interested in coming to Africa, I'm willing to host you. <laughs> so just shoot me an email if you're an engineer um, and you want to just spend time I'm seeing what we're doing at Paystack. Um, Shola at Paystack.com. Happy to just show you what, All right. <laughs> what it looks like. Yeah. Free trip to Nigeria, Shola at Paystack.com. <laughs> yeah. No, not free. <laughs> thank you so much, Shola. Right, it's been a pleasure so having yeah, you. Thanks. Yeah. If you enjoyed listening to this conversation and you want a really easy way to support the podcast, why don't you head over to iTunes and leave us a quick rating or even a review? If you're looking for an easy way to get there, just go to ndhackers.com slash review, and that should open up iTunes on your computer. I read pretty much all the reviews that you guys leave over there, and it really helps other people to discover the show, so your support is very much appreciated. In addition, if you are running your own internet business, or if that's something you hope to do someday, you should join me and a whole bunch of other founders on the ndhackers.com website. It's a great place to get feedback on pretty much any problem or question that you might have while running your business. If you listen to the show, you know that I am a huge proponent of getting help from other founders rather than trying to build your business all by yourself. So you'll see me on the forum for sure, as well as more than a handful of some of the guests that I've had on the podcast. If you're looking for inspiration, we've also got a huge directory full of hundreds of products built by other indie hackers, every one of which includes revenue numbers and some of the behind the scenes strategies for how they grew their products from nothing. As always, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time. 